Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tiger Mindly Report podcast here at TigersMLReport.com. I'm Earl Hill Casillo. Inside me, I, I mean, it, it's been a journey as of sorts because it really is, it's been kind of difficult since Chris Brown has left to find somebody. And all right, who? Greetings. Who's Chris? Greetings. Is that you? That's right. I don't really use that name anymore, but sure. You want to call me Chris? That's fine. What's your What's your new name, of sorts? Contiki. Contiki. Uh, that's right. It means uh, Warrior of Light. But, uh, I like it. There we go. I don't want to get too serious about that. It's just a good part of my training. Is like Jedi training, or are you in the? Where it looks like you're in the mountains somewhere. This is yes. This is the Kali Gandaki Gorge in Nepal. It's the world's deepest gorge. I felt like I needed to go into the deepest hole on the planet, so I did. Interesting. So I, I, I believe it's. Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the, it was. I think it was one of the Beastie Boys, um, the late great. MCA, yeah. Yeah, MCA, also in Nepal and re- rediscovered himself. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes, and then he wanted to freak a bit, and uh, I'm fighting the same fight, but also I'm interested to talk about minor league baseball. All right. Well, uh, see, yeah. you know the the great Zoroaster. You might know him as Zarathustra. Uh, teaches us about the duality of man, and there's this Manichaean struggle between light and darkness. And I don't know. I took off for like six weeks, so I just felt like I should uh, show up and be ridiculous. So sorry about that. Apologies to anybody who's actually Buddhist. No, uh, it's it's okay for our one percent Buddhist audience. We apologize. Uh, we respect the Buddhist religion quite a bit. I get to ninety five percent Buddhist audience. Not to mention, I, I I'm not gonna lie. It, it is uh, rather. I I've been wanting to do something like this. I mean, if there was a way to bring bring you back somehow, some way, this was. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it would be uh, it'd be silly to just pop right back uh, without saying something. There you go. There you go. That's yes. not Nepal at all, is it? No, no. But the, the winds of Nepal have are coming through on the Michigan side of things a little bit. Uh, as uh, the temperature, my green tea. Oh, you got green tea. I got. Uh, no, it's coffee. I'm just, I, was, uh, I was gonna say I got same thing. I got some coffee okay. going this morning. But, but yes, no, it's it's nice to be back. Sorry, I left. Sorry to leave you hanging. Great work. Appreciate you doing all the the hard stuff while I was gone. Um, Hoping to, to to get back into this in some capacity over the next few months. Well, I appreciate that, and like I said, man, it, no worries at all. I think next year we're gonna for twenty twenty four we're gonna figure out a way to put ourselves on shifts. Um, that way, we're all managing. We all have lives, and um, it's important for us to remember that. And I, I think that this year, because of guys like Cole Keith, because of guys like Justice Big B. And we're getting more help. We're actually getting help this next year. So that way we have more of a balanced approach. And also because, I mean, same time for Motor City Metrics in November, I'll be missing some time, take some time away to uh, take care of, take care of some personal things. And so um, nevertheless, that's how we roll. So, um, but yeah, going forward. Uh, yeah, there's, as far as the minor league podcast is, is going to, is concerned for the, probably for the off season, We'll maybe do an episode a month here and there. We're going to continue to do this, but mainly our focus, we're going to go to once a week on Motor City Metrics too as well, back to our Thursday time spot. 
or Wednesday or Thursday time spot, depending on when everybody's free, because I, I don't see until there's something going on in the off season, which we'll, we'll get to, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, movement what have you, but uh, Chris, where did you want to start? Because there's a lot of ways we can uh, attack this bird, if you will. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, we don't need to go over everything I missed over the last weeks or so, but I did. I, I basically dropped off watching or, or paying much attention to everything beginning on September 1st. But, um, yeah, man, I don't know if you want you. It's just kind of like a year end recap of, of looking back at each level or, uh, you know, just a kind of organic discussion about the year that was or whatever you feel like you like. Like I said, I, I haven't paid much attention. I'm sure you guys covered Erie's championship in a ton of depth. I know you were out there. You had all the great footage, the great interviews. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I don't really know what else, uh, you know, whatever you feel like covering, I'll, I'll offer my opinion. Well, I just want to get your, like, in terms of the, like, the year it was for 2023, really, and, and because you did watch a lot of the stuff beforehand, uh, we did get Brandon Day on talking about his thoughts and, and where the season, where this team progressed, and I really, I, I, know, I know I sent you some of that stuff from Scott, uh, Scott Harris with the end of the year presser, which I thought was interesting, because basically he kind of indicated that there's going to be more complimentary pieces, there's a couple Rule 5 decisions that we're going to be writing about, and of course, our Tiger Minor League Tiger Minor League Player of the Year, which is Cole Keefe, you can find on the website now, and uh, we'll be doing a starting pitcher, relief pitcher, and breakout player. And the reason why we we did a positional breakdown, but that was we'll start there, Chris, because that was one of those things where it was we're, as we're doing the positional breakdown, there wasn't really one set position for any of these players because there was if it, 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 to be honest. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty there with some players that could possibly be DHs someday. Uh, yeah, apart from the catchers, right, who, who mostly were playing catcher, there maybe Parker Meadows is the only player who played 80, 85% of his games at the same position, center field. I'm trying to think of anybody else. You know, there were a couple guys who played first base exclusively, I would say, but also a little outfield, so that's not exclusive. But yeah, it... it I mean, that's – we're starting to see some of the, the Scott Harris's stated vision when they hired him uh, reflected in – you see it on all levels, right? You saw it at the big leagues. You see it in the minors, too, where guys are walking more, they're striking out less, playing more positions. Um, and they're really – you know, this isn't a Scott Harris thing. This is more of a, a Garko Arriba uh, thing. But we've seen for the second straight year a tremendous amount of positive development among players. And we talked about it last year being one of the best years I don't remember in terms of players getting better, players uh, you know, turning themselves into prospects. And we saw it again this year. And, and we wanted to sit down and, and compare it at one point, but you could argue that this year was more impressive because we saw guys take steps forward at just about every level and in the big leagues. We, we talked about it before, I think, early in the year where we didn't have Reese Olsen ranked very highly heading into the season. I think he was 16th or 17th on our list because we didn't believe in his fastball. And he got to the big league and his fastball was pretty damn good. You know, he had his ups and downs, but he, they kept improving him. And Sawyer Gibson Long starts the year in, in Erie, finishes the year. We looked it up. The the, the second most strikeouts through four starts in a, in a Tigers rookie history. Um, just, yeah, we interviewed him too, you know, and he told us all the development he did this year, adding pitches in the mid, middle of the season. Justice Bigby, out of nowhere, 
It's 343. We were talking, we were texting about this earlier. That's one of the highest batting averages for any Tigers prospect we could find in the last few decades. Uh, you mentioned Cole Keith. Cole Keith, we had high expectations for Cole Keith. We had him number one. We assumed he was going to do well. He still was incredibly impressive. I, I, I put it in the in my little blurb for our player of the year piece. The second second Tigers minor leaguer in the last 50 years. I went back to 1973. Hit over 300 with 25 or more home runs and 100 or more RBIs. Twice in 50 years. Um, so yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think it's a good time to be a Tigers fan. I think things are headed in the right direction for the first time in, in, in a while. And we're seeing the waves kind of, the bubbles come to reach the surface. If I'm going to use the proper aquatic analogy, <laughs> things are, things are getting there. It's, it's going to be another year or two, I think, before we really see this reflected at the big league level, but the, the signs are positive down in the minors for sure. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where you look at, let's start with, the pitching here for a moment. Yes. Reese Olsen. I mean, Trevor Huth was very high on Reese Olsen. We, we've talked about, he was, you know, I know he did somewhat of a minor victory lap there on that. At the same time, I, I think it was also his secondaries where there is secondaries just over like almost overnight. And this is where, this is why you don't check the box score because there is, you looked at Reese Olsen's ERA, you look at Sawyer Gibson's longs ERA and Toledo and on the surface, it just looks doesn't look good. But then you do a deeper dive, and you see that the spin rate was really good there, and that um, you you kind of have a, you know, the tiger. You have to ignore that and look at that as what the tigers are able to see. And so credit to Ryan Garko and the development staff too, because him you have Olson, another guy who stepped up big this year was Kyler Montero, who finished the year strong in Toledo, looked like he adjusted very well, and was starting to kind of get the feel for it. Now, whether he is a, a reliever or a starter is yet to be seen, but it gives the Tigers some options there for 2024 as far as starting rotation goes. And I still think they, they should get a veteran or two. And, and Harris mentioned that. He's like, well, I don't know if we're going to go crazy. I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but it sounds like um, we're not going crazy spending money. In other words, you're looking for complimentary pieces or possibly rebuild projects or what, what have you. Uh, there's a couple guys I mentioned last night on the, uh, on the podcast but um, that was where another thing, too, is the relievers. The reliever side, there's a guy that you've been really high on, Tyler Matson, who just dominated the last in the playoffs for Erie. It was basically Alvarez was just basically telling us it was going to him and Blake Hull, he was going to ride those guys to the championship, and he did. And that was something that I thought Erie against a, a superior offense like Binghamton, who came in with one of the hottest teams in the Eastern League. That's where it happened. Blake Holub and Tyler Matson, these are guys too that the Tigers really, really like and are, are high up on. And at some point, you could see them in Detroit next year, which does help without spending some money on the bullpen. Now, Justice Bigby, that was something that uh, you know we had some people saying, I'm not gonna say who names, but bat pip luck and all that. But it was actually no, it was actually legit numbers and. He had a single last night in in the Arizona Fall League. He's doing he's doing decently in the Arizona Fall League. So I think I think he walked to Arizona because he's got one strikeout and seven walks right now. Like yeah. he's turned into uh, like Kevin Euclid out there in the Arizona Fall League. So yeah, you know, I mean, to, to to get back to the pitchers, one of the things in um, 
you know, you always hear people talk about, you hear pitchers, you hear coaches talk about like, hey, trust your stuff, right? Trust your stuff. And you sent me that, I want to say a couple weeks ago, you sent me a tweet about fastballs, you know, the velocity of fastballs uh, down right down the middle, if they were upper velocity, performed better than lower velocity fastballs in the corners, right? Um, it's because stuff wins. Stuff wins. And I think we saw earlier in the year, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think early, like April, the Tigers stopped having their pitchers try to hit the edges. They just told them to basically have to set up in the middle and let the pitch do its, you know, not that they were trying to throw it right down the pipe, but, um, and I think we've seen that throughout the minors where, where you just with, with Olsen, you talk about, yeah, all the stuff is great. Just throw it, throw, throw strikes and, and, and let it work. Um, and Montero's a guy with, with really good stuff. We didn't talk about Troy Melton and Jackson Job, who both made uh, pretty substantial improvements this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you can kind of count on one hand the number of players who, who stagnated or got worse this year, which is a pretty good sign. Uh, you know, I mean, not just players, but the prospects. One's top 20 types. There, there are a couple guys who didn't necessarily blow up, but everybody else improved in a way that I think is is promising. Yeah, especially because I, I think that the Tigers did a really good job of starting to kind of weed out the guys who are not performing. I mean, basically, if you're on the Tigers development list, nope. you're pretty much one step away from either you're one step away from not having a job anymore, essentially. And with the exception, there's a few exceptions to the rule this year, like Gage Workman, who worked his way back up to double A and started in the playoffs based off his experience. But beyond that, it was really, I, I think, the biggest step forward as far as even from a, a guy like Ty Madden, for example, Madden on lefties has a hard time establishing that fastball in the inside part of the plate. You need to do that because lefties have been hammering him. But there was a point of emphasis that you look at some of his stuff from August on after sounds like a kind of crows album. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it, you can tell that there's something that he's been, the, the Tigers have an emphasis on game planning and, and working those things out because there's certain times or sequences on the big league level and on the minor league level. And we, we've talked to some people about this. They've got to do nothing but uh, Lyle Locker comes to mind, for example, Lyle Locker Jr. When we asked him about his split finger or a, a pitch he was developing, he told us he was working on a split finger. And that's what caused that kind of different look to him where we thought it was maybe something else, but he was just saying that the Tigers had him work on a splitter. And that's another thing too, Chris. The emphasis on change-ups and cutters and the Tigers saying, hey, look, here's a game plan for you. I mean, sort of gives a long hand and throws change-ups since what? Did he tell us like since high school, I think it was? Well, I don't remember. But, yeah, I mean, it was definitely uh, they, they needed him to work on that. He added the cutter. He changed. He added a two-seamer, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's another point. Is that they really are giving these guys – they're giving them a lot of homework, basically. Try to make them better. They're not just sitting there and, and waiting for the results. And uh, he said most most of these guys, and it's not surprising, right? They're they're at professional athletes for a reason. They uh, they are excelling when they've been challenged or uh, been given stuff to work on. And, and again, it's just it's just kind of night and day from what what it was like in the system five six years ago when guys were kind of left to their own devices to try to figure things out. Um, now, when you, you let guys do that, you're going to find the special ones at school bowl, right, who who just are so determined to be good that they figure it out no matter what. But you're leaving a lot of guys behind. I mean, that might be a fun project one day is to look back and say who who might have really benefited from 
from this development staff, but uh, but we're not looking that far back just yet. Yeah, and there was there was something that I, I brought to your attention when you were gone that uh, about Wilmer Flores, who's been working with his own people, and he's in the Arizona Fall League. Had a, he's been so far, uh, he's been pitching oddly enough out of the bullpen, which kind of makes me think that possibly he he could be ending up in, as a possible person out of the bullpen. Um, he's so far in two games, five innings of work, five hits, one run, seven strikeouts, and more importantly, no walks. The velocity is still the same, but Flores was, I mean, as far as he, he got to start in game one, didn't do too well. And I think this is, I mean, you just come back from injury. So it, it'll be interesting how they use Flores going forward, whether he's going to be a bullpen arm or maybe even, dare I say, trade bait for something. Well, it's possible. I mean, that that's one of the things you talk about. You mentioned Scott Harrison, they're not going to spend a ton of money. You know, makes you think of the Orioles, right? Who won 100 games, it didn't spend any money, and then made a couple small trades, and then got swept out of the division series. But they have a strong system, so if they wanted, they could have made bigger trades and gotten better pitchers. Uh, and, and there's an argument to be made that hey, you can survive that way. You still like to spend some money. The Rangers, I think, are pretty happy with the money they spent. Corey Seager walks more than Justin Spigby, uh, but yeah, so. With Flores, he's yeah. I, I was checking. He's still sitting like 92, 94. He'll touch ninety six. The two breaking balls are still there. He's working on the changeup, so he doesn't seem. He's one of the guys I would say has stagnated this year, right? He, he began the year on top one hundred list and struggled to begin at the beginning of the year, and then found his footing, but never really dominated in any capacity. He was not striking guys out. Just didn't look as crisp, uh, and and then he got hurt. So it's a it was a it's like you said. Uh, you know, prospects don't always move in one direction. They don't always improve. They don't. They sometimes they you know fall off the map. Uh, but it's 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 encouraging, I guess, to see him out there. He's kind of working as a tandem starter with with Job. I think Job's gone four innings in his first two outings, or three and four. Um. So it's it's good to see him out there performing, right? It's just that's a hitter friendly environment. So if he's not giving up a ton of bombs and not walking guys, that's a good sign to me. Yeah, and that's where it, especially with some of the competition he's facing. There's a lot of good prospects out there, among like, in terms of like top 100 and top. It's just you look at guys like Harry Ford, uh, uh, Jacob Marcy, who's having a really good start. Padres, Yoke, local kid too, right? From yeah, from Michigan. Is, uh, I know he went to. Or no, he's from like Dearborn or Redford or something like. Right? He's yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think he's from my neck of the woods. Um, yeah, I think yeah, he yeah, my neck of the woods actually. So yeah, he was born in Dearborn. So grew up in Dearborn. Hell yeah. Uh but uh, no, I mean like there's Peoria is I believe undefeated too. So it, it, to go out some against like there's Wes Clark too. That was some good pop in his bat. I was surprised and there's also there was another bat too that I really liked that I was uh AJ Jokovic or Jokovic yeah. who I believe is the son of the former brewer, isn't it? Pete Bukovic, is that who is? Yeah, I think I think I'm not 100 percent about that, but uh, he might be his nephew. I don't know. We can we can check that right now. Yeah, well, yeah, we can, yeah, we can check that. We can check that on the fly. Um, let's see here. I there believe... was John Bukovic and George Bukovic. Wait, how many Bukoviches could there be? I, I don't think that because he's also born in Wisconsin. So I'm just trying to think. 
that it would be the reason why is because also Pete Vuk, uh, Bukovic appeared in Major League, by the way. That's right. It wasn't he, uh, he was uh, the guy with the uh, Level League of Nose Hair or whatever. Yeah. That, yeah. Emily, um, yeah. yeah, we're, you know, we're doing show prep on the fly. Um, but yeah, I like him a lot too because he can play multiple positions. He's a pretty good third baseman. And also the fact that it comes from like a, Wisconsin does not, again, Wisconsin is becoming more and more of a baseball powerhouse. They have an indoor facility. They don't have a college level team at the, you know. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin doesn't Wisconsin. have a team for some reason. Yeah. He was Mr. He also, I mean, this is a guy who also, I believe, well, let's see here. Um, no, his dad, oh, okay. So no, there's no relation. Sorry. There's dad is Randy Lukovich. Thought there'd be some sort of relation, but uh, no, there's not. And I'm, we'll have to edit that part out later. Yeah, no relation to the book of it, just is whatsoever. But anyway, um, that's a guy that's impressive. There, there's a lot of guys you can look at. And as far as another, there's a couple guys like RJ Pettit was a curious choice to put on there. Nothing wrong with that. I'm sure that just probably gets more relief work to see what he has. And Tanner Colheap, which is the first time I think we've, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, this is the first time we've seen, seen, seen him extensively pitch have we uh yeah well he pit he he showed back up in what july in lakeland yeah and he pitched i think we saw he pitched 19 innings total with with the flying tigers so this is definitely a challenge for him and and we've talked about it many times you you emphasize it back when michael fulmer was coming back that not ever become everybody comes back from tommy john surgery throwing strikes at a great rate and i think that's his problem right now is he doesn't really have command back yet uh, so he's been getting beat up a little bit, but I'm sure it's good. It's a good, uh, you know, the, the Arizona Fall League's a little bit like, uh, I treat it like the way you treat guys, how they perform after they've been drafted. They do well, it's awesome. If they don't do well, you just go, ahead. Hey, it's a learning experience. Like You don't get too upset if you struggle. Yeah, and, and that's the way I look at it, too, with him. And as, as far as what his future is, and I remember talking to Jeff Pontus at Baseball America about this and, and how much upside there is. So who knows? He could be the, in the next Tanner Cole conversation next year when we end the season. So, yeah, I wouldn't shot. No, but we weren't talking about Blake Holub and Tyler Madison at this time last year, really. I think, yeah. uh, although I do think Madison was in the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, I think we were. Yeah, Matt, yeah, Tyler Madison, I think we were kind of early on. I think, no, you're pretty, I'm pretty sure you were early on him. Well, I'm sure we talked about it. he was he was yeah. a fourth round pick, I think. So but but he wasn't who he is now, a potential big league reliever next year, right? So yeah, it's uh Cole Hepp is in the same draft, but he lost that year to the elbow surgery. So give him time. Um and it's not, you know, like you know, I'm gonna write about this when we I do the reliever of the year piece or whatever, but there's not I don't think there's like a stigma. There used to be a little bit of a stigma if you were just a reliever in the minors. Like, because most, most relievers, pitching relievers, the big leagues are failed starters, right? But the way that they maximize pitchers now and the way that guys just throw with full effort, you could you could develop a pretty nasty reliever from jump in, in the minors. Uh, case in point, your guy from Philly, Orion Cookering or whatever, right? Like, yeah, he, he's been awesome in the big leagues, and he was awesome all year in the minors. And I, I'm pretty sure he's just been a reliever his whole career, but maybe I'm wrong. 
I believe he has been. I'm looking at him up right now, actually, because that's. I believe a, he's coming in now. I believe. <laughs> nice. Uh, the for, for that reference, by the Woody, way, Woody yeah, Johnson. Yeah, from the the Masters. Uh, yeah, no, he's been a reliever the entire time he was in the, in the he's been in the Philly system. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Anymore. And there's another guy like Freddie Pacheco, for example, who the Tigers signed and stored away and not sure where his fate is right now at the moment, but I'm sure we'll hear something about that soon. But yeah, there's, I look at the Phillies and even to a certain extent, I think the Marlins too has done a really good job with that. The the Diamondbacks. I mean, the other day when I text you, I know you haven't really been paying attention to Diamondbacks baseball, but, (laughs) um, but if I told you that the situational lefty out of the bullpen that was coming in in a big situation was a gentleman by the name of Andrew Salafrank, who led, who, by the way, their double affiliate, Armadillo, won the championship this year. He was, he came in in a very tough situation and got some clutch outs against the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks have a chance to go to NLCS. Uh, amazingly enough, uh, I believe they play tonight, or, or excuse me, it would be technically Wednesday because I don't like dating ourselves on the podcast. But yeah, um, it's crazy to think that. And, like you know, there's of course Joe Matsupply, former Tigers in that bullpen. But this was a team that had Andrew Chafin to start the year as a situational yep. lefty, and now you have guys like him and another guy they who trade, didn't they trade him away? I believe they did. To Milwaukee, maybe. Uh, yep, he got traded to the Brewers. Yeah, well, they yeah, that's what happened to him. He got traded to the Brewers, and then you bring in guys like uh, there's of course they they, they tried out Anthony Mesowick, who got traded to the Yankees. And then the what was it? There was a name on there that Jason guy who's with Tampa for a little bit. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden on his name. I said on the podcast last night because he, he stood out because he was a guy who came in in a in a very clutch situation, but a lot of them to set up their bullpen better for guys like uh, uh Paul Seward, the closer. I think it's man, I'm drawing a blank now. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Uh, uh, shit. What was his name? Peter. Sal- no, that was like Peter Salmon, was it? The guy. The, there's a pitcher. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll edit this part out. The only Jason I remember is Jason Adam. Maybe. Mm. I got Charlie's going nuts. Just uh, yeah, I'll pause it. Yeah, I'll pause it. Oh, guys like Ryan Thompson who come out of nowhere, they come up big. Relief pitching can come essentially from anywhere, Chris, and that's where we're at right now, and. That's going to be something that you're going to see a theme going forward with a lot of these teams. And and right now, the biggest takeaway that I got from the Tigers in terms of developing these arms is it was interesting enough. Like, remember, we were talking about this early in the year. They had an innings limit on everybody. And people were like, well, yeah. what's going on? And it threw a fit. But it ended up paying off. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of anybody who, like, it, it really – the only thing that was kind of curious was, was not using Job in the uh double a playoffs right but that I, I don't think that was an innings thing that was just uh, an org decision right i don't think anybody ran into their innings limit i think uh herder i don't think herder missed a start all year right and ended up with no i don't think he did either um well, and he, there's another player and we did our uh, award voting and uh I yeah know. i was a little miffed i i but. Why I, I don't. Well, I mean, we're 
that's the one I'm going to be dropping tomorrow. Jackson Job is our winner. Well, I, I... Uh, well, I mean, he was really good, uh, and he improved. I think it's it's always a tough. I'll, I'll be really fascinated to see who the Tigers pick for their minor league pitcher of the year because I went not to spoil or whatever. I went with Herder, and I think I was the only one who had him on the list. And I did it just because his numbers. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it now. He, I, I want to say he led the, the the team in FIP and uh, ERA among all starters. And I was also giving him – I talked about this with you. I was giving him credit. I was giving Gibson Long credit. Gibson Long, I think, was my second or third uh, for how well he pitched in the big leagues because I feel like you know, that counts, right? Uh, that's kind of the whole point. Then I gave her credit for how well he pitched in the in the playoffs. It's like what, 14, 20 scoreless innings, something crazy like that. Like, um, but you know, Job Job is the you know arguably the most talented, right? So you can make a case for that. And he was really good. He was fun to watch. I, I think he had maybe one subpar outing when he came up to high A, and then he came up to double A and was good. So. I don't necessarily have a huge problem with it. The, the only issue is that, yeah, like you said, you know, Montero threw 127 innings. Herter and, and Madden were 118. O'Loughlin, 124. Carlos Pena, 110. Will Cal Hernandez, 106. And Job was at like 60. Yeah. And I think that matters with the starting pitcher. And, you know, it's not, not through his fault, right? He got injured. But staying healthy is a skill. And I just thought we should reward I felt personally that we I should reward the pitcher who did it all year and pitched well all year. But, um, you know, this is what happens with democracy, right? You have multiple <laughs> people vote, and sometimes you end up with, uh, you know, something you don't necessarily love. And by the way, Brent Hurdler provided one of the best pieces of audio that's going to go on the board here soon. Let me – I don't I don't know if I played this for I, you or not, but – I don't think you did. I, I'm eager to hear this. Here it is. That's him. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's outstanding. That's like, let me hear. Uh, let's hear that again, because that way I, I want to get the full facts. That's me going. That's, Hell that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right up there with who is it? Was Travis Kelsey yelling at the Cincinnati mayor and uh, yeah, the one guy <laughs> USA number one. Love it or leave it. <laughs> Love it or leave it, USA. Yeah, that's one of the best pieces of audio out there. But yeah, I I, I voted for Montero and no respect no respect for Montero. Guy led the team in strikeouts. The entire system. Yeah, so and that's the thing. Like like Montero was was awesome. We were hyping him up pretty pretty quickly. Um he climbed from from high A to triple A, which is no small feat. Uh I, the only thing that helped me back a little bit was his ERA. But yeah, he led the league, led the team in, in innings pitched, strikeouts, stopped batter really spaced. Good. Yeah, like, yeah, he was he became a, an absolute workhorse this year, and the strikeouts were awesome. The walks were pretty low. It was just the, his ERA took a bit of a hike when he got up to AAA, which is understandable. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I feel like I must have had him in my top three, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. 
it, it may have just been from the ERA. Yeah, and and but I mean, look at his FIP. His FIP on the year was three point eight zero, which is pretty good considering that that adjustment to double A AA to triple A. So yeah, I'm sure triple A especially is is a really offensive environment. Uh, it was at least this year, and double A too. I, I, honestly, they're they're both pretty tough. So yeah, that's always a juggling act there where you're, you know, how much because because Troy Melton, uh. I think led the, the team in ERA among pitchers with 60 plus innings, at least among starters with 60 plus innings. But it's all in, in A ball. And it's like, well, how much credit do you give uh, a college guy? Like, you don't ding him necessarily for that. But if you're comparing two pitchers, I would probably give it to the guy who did it at a higher level. It, it, you, basically, that with any prospect, right? I'm trying to compare two guys. I, uh, show me, you know, give me the guy who did it at double A to play AA over the guy who did it in low A. But I don't know. Yeah, it's fun that, to have an argument, right? I, um, it's uh, there are a handful of pitchers who deserved it this year. So no, know. and and that's where that's why I'm glad that we had like somebody like Scott and Brandon because Brandon's been covering the minor leagues all year, and we've talked mm-hmm. to Scott quite a bit because Scott also injects the minor league stuff in his lock, or daily Locked On Tigers podcast. So. That was important to have those, and also Jerry too. Because uh, shout out to Jerry. By the way, shout out to Jerry. Absolutely, Jerry's a Jerry's a beast. Yeah, I, I mean, again, like I thank you for for um, keeping things going while I disappeared on my spirit quest. But um, Jerry, Cameron, you, John, like everybody who kept the stuff going, uh, I appreciate. It. Um, yeah, good job. Now I'm it's back the, now. Not, now you can all leave. I'm back. <laughs> No, and I it's just, just you know, yeah, seriously, props to all those guys, too. I mean, John, especially when I was really focusing on the last couple of weeks in Erie, and those guys have done a great job. And also, shout out to Sawyer Gibson Long's mother, um, who sent us a really hey, nice. A <laughs> oh, <laughs> sent, right. oh, yeah. She sent us a very nice note. Yeah. And um, thank you. And we had a really good phone conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really inspiring to hear her talk. And yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that sort of stuff is awesome, right? We talked about it before. It's very cool when people say hello to us, and it's very cool to, to hear from parents and family members who appreciate this stuff because we do it for fun and we do it because we care, and, and it's nice to know that they appreciate it for sure because, uh, yeah, that, that helps keep you going sometimes. Yeah, and we had a lot of parents that came up during the Erie series. Uh, Mr. Magno came up. The... Bimmel Jerry's parents asked, like, well, where's Chris? And it was just funny to hear <laughs> some people asking yeah. for you and all that. It was, it was, it was actually really cool because, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's not just like we, we talked about Dave Myers' mom last year. It was very cool, very nice to us. Yeah. It, it's awesome. It, it's kind of a community of itself and it's nice to be a part of it. Definitely. And, uh, we, yeah, we definitely appreciate that. But getting back to kind of the, the last couple of really thoughts about the season. As far as guys in terms of increasing their stock, I know Jace Young had a better split than he did in high double A versus high A, and he's seeing some time at third base because the Tigers are trying to figure out exactly what to do at third base because I still think they have no idea long term what they're going to do. But yeah, besides him, but there's a guy that um, this is something that I don't know if I shared this with you or not that Scott Harris is really high on Brady Allen who ended the season double A. 
And defensively, I think he saved the season for West Michigan because, as we discovered, Roberto Campos needs a little work out in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, that's that's we haven't talked uh, much about West Michigan. They had a really good year again, um, really great second half. They came just a little bit short of the playoffs, unfortunately, for the second year in a row. Uh, but, you know, part of that was losing a lot of really talented players, right? So they, you know, they lost Justice Bigby, Campos got hurt, Howie Lee got hurt. But Brady Allen was a really steadying force for them as soon as he came up. Was that late May? Uh, and yeah, he you could count on him to make uh, two or three great defensive plays per series. You know, leaping catches at the wall, running catches, diving catches. He's a really good corner outfielder who I think they have play a little bit of center field. I think he's probably not quite fast enough to, to handle that at uh, you know higher levels. But yeah, that that helped a lot. Compost was kind of swimming out there. Uh, we saw some good things from him early, and then a lot of just a guy who didn't look terribly sure of himself. And we never, as far as I know, we never got clarity of what happened to Roberto Campos. He he played his last game, I want to say August 4th, August 5th. Um, and not a peep since then. I thought maybe he would be an AFL guy, but uh, so hopefully it's, you know, nothing crazy serious uh, injury-wise or, you know, otherwise. He was, it, it's, it's, you know, t- tough to remember that he was like 19 for the first half of the season, right? And was really looking good up until about June. He wasn't hitting for a super high average, but it's the Midwest League. He was walking at a 10% rate. He was hitting for decent power. And then for the last couple months of the season, he actually raised his average, but the walk rate dropped down to 5%, and the power dropped down to his ice was like 100 uh, and that's, I think, sort of to be expected from young players. Uh, we saw certainly, it was, you know, a, a season from Isaac Pacheco that was a little disappointing. Although we did talk a couple weeks ago, what was it, his final three or four weeks, final five weeks, something like that, he hit really well. It was like, you know, 280 plus was power and, and getting on base. Maybe that's, you know, maybe something clicked for him. Maybe it was just the end of the season and he was catching up. Like, you know, guys from low A were coming up and that was more his level this year. But, yeah, I think uh, just to get back to Brady Allen, he did have a pretty strong year. It kind of got, I think, I wouldn't say went unnoticed, but, you know, he came from a different system, came in the middle of the year, split time uh, at, at high A, and then at the very end of the year was with Erie and only played, like, what, seven or eight games and, and really wasn't factored into the playoffs at all because that's a pretty big leap. We saw it with Josh Crouch last year where he came up at the end of the year and, and he was struggling too. He did hit a big home run, but they basically stopped playing him down the stretch because they just, they needed somebody who wasn't, you know, struggling so much. And, and so I think that's what happened with, with Brady Allen, but I expect him to start in, in Erie next year and it wouldn't shock me at all. If he puts up pretty good numbers, um, I do think there's a little bit of swing and miss there in terms of with breaking balls. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like Andrew Navigato, where he's not going to strike out a ton. Like the percentages isn't going to look bad, and he'll he'll walk and he'll hook for power. But um, advanced pitching, I think, can get him. But we'll see what what happens next year. They they can work with him on it and see if he uh, see if he improves because the Tigers do need. Like you said, they don't really know what they're doing in the at third base. Uh, not, not what they're doing, but who's going to be their third baseman going forward? They still need outfielders too. Yeah, this is a system that's going to, as far as like outfield depth, 
and double A and triple A, it's bare. It's really, really bare. If I, if I, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things right now, if you want me to name you the starting outfield in Toledo in 2024, I have no idea. I mean, literally no idea. Cause about Jerry during the playoffs, Alvarez mentioned that he wanted his best offensive lineup out there. Trey Cruz yeah. took a big step forward because center field wise, he was one of the better center fielders in yeah. the system this year. And this is his first time playing. But of course we know that his father, Jose was a center fielder in Toronto and in Tampa. And so the transition for him was relatively easy, but at the same time, there is a concern with like, if also with justice Bigby, is he going to get a chance to make the major league roster? If, if so, if not, is he going to spend the first few months in Toledo? I don't, that's where I'm saying. Cause the Tigers, even a big league sub big league level side of things, they need a veteran outfielder and a guy that, that can add some pop because you have Riley green coming back from Tommy John on his non-throwing elbow, you're not really sure. I think there, I guess there's another injury. Evan Petzl, the, uh, the freep wrote about this. And so how another Riley green injury. I, yeah. I think there's a, a little minor injury or something like that. I have to, I'll have to double check that. I have to confirm that, but then you, you also have to figure out exactly. All right. Well, Kerry Carpenter, is he going to be a DH or is he going to be a right fielder? And who's going to be is Parker Metal? I mean, Parker Metal's last few weeks in in Detroit were really promising. He he did look really good. He started making adjustments. And it's the same thing we saw in Erie and in Toledo. Just give him a couple weeks, he'll make the adjustments, and you did. And then now, <clears throat> same thing. Do you put Justin Henry Malloy? Is he in the outfield? You, Scott Harris said, "Oh yeah, he's going to you know play the outfield the last month of the season." But then he started playing third again, and and so it's like it is confusing what they're going to do there. And and I think the another thing about Brady Allen too, just get back to Allen for a moment. Yes. That adjustment is huge, Chris. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, I think Alvarez really had, like he went to his, like he went to the guys that he knows. Yeah. And that big B call up to Toledo probably threw everybody off. And I know probably maybe angered even Brian Pena. I would, I would think so. Losing. I mean, again, yeah. Big B was, Bigby and Young were the heart of that lineup, uh, and then they got they took Bigby from them. They gave Brady Allen, who was the heart of the West Michigan lineup, and this was ten days before the end of the season, right? Now uh, Erie had the horses to step up, right? Chris Myers stepped up, Jake Holton stepped up, Young kept hitting. They had some guys. You, you now Jerry Trey Cruz had a really good uh, postseason series. Uh, the West Michigan just didn't have the depth. There was nobody able to come up from. From Lakeland to help them like that, they 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 got some interesting players from Lakeland. Seth Stevenson uh, was an on base, a stolen base machine, but but they didn't really have anybody come up there to really drive the ball. They're still relying on Austin Murr and Luke Gold did some nice things, but he's not, you know, he's more like average pop, average hit. Like so, that was tough for them. Uh, so definitely losing Brady. But and we talked about this. Like, of course, Scott Harris is going to like the guy that he traded for, right? Yeah, but right. we also, the, a lot of the things we heard earlier in the year, right? Scott Harris seems to be high on Clear Gibson Long. Scott Harris seems to be high on like Connor Montero. Like, as the season wore on, it was like, well, those guys are actually pretty damn good. So, so maybe he sees something that, that uh, that's worth uh, considering, maybe putting him on the back of a top 30 or something like that. Let's see. I mean, same thing with uh, Elijah Alfonso. Alfonso, yeah. this is a guy that we've talked about numerous times where we're not really sure 
in the grand scheme of things where he fits because he has problems throwing guys out down, you know, getting the, but according to some of the data that we've heard about that, he is one of the second best framers in all of high a, and he had a really good playoffs. Just, I mean, four or five games in the double a came up with a couple offensive field hits, <laughs> well-timed hits. And the Erie's catching the, depth was depleted. I mean, after Dingling got called up, Julio Rodriguez hit the IL. Uh, they they just been they had a to the point where they had an org catcher at some point as a backup. I mean, Erie all year long has been struggling with like when we talked about this before with uh, uh, Josh uh, Josh Crouch. He was having a hard time framing, but Alonzo Alfonso just came in there and looked like a veteran. I mean, you look at the bullpen and look at the the tight or the Seawolves in the playoffs, that that's a guy who's just, just got the double A and he was able to just command the staff yeah. that quickly. Yeah. And, and one of the, so we've known about Alfonso for years, Like he's been on some top 30 prospect lists and it's always been like, well, is he agile enough to catch? Is there enough pop in the bat? But the one thing that's always stood out about him is his approach at the plate. He's always, he's got, you know, plus plus contact skills, like not necessarily hard contact, but he's a guy that he's always going to be among the leaders in, in swinging strike rate. Like his swinging strike rate is, is like sub 6%, which is, you know, uh, what's his name? Luis Arias, uh, Arias like level, like just, he doesn't swing and miss. He's going to put the bat on the ball. And that was kind of, that always seems like one of the skills that maybe we just don't give enough uh, weight to. Because that's the sort of thing that's probably going to translate up as you rise levels. Because that just it, it's an innate um, hand-eye coordination thing and innate ability to put the bat on the ball. And so if he has a little bit of pop, he can put the bat on the ball. And he's a great framer. Uh, why wouldn't that work at AA? Why wouldn't it work at AAA? Why wouldn't it work maybe in the big league someday if, if you get a chance? Because, you know, not an everyday catcher, right? Probably because he's not going to hit for enough power. But if there's enough else there, I, I yeah, he's, he's another guy that you just kind of forget about him because he's been there for a while. But uh, the skills are real. Yeah, and what's interesting too is that they have to make a, a decision because he's also Rule Five eligible. So that's going to have to play a, a factor into what the what the Tigers will do. And it's it, it, it's interesting enough to me at least the standpoint of. Okay, well, what are what is the trade going to do? Because also, I think Dylan Dingler, correct me if I'm wrong, is Rule Five eligible, isn't he? Yeah, 2020 draft picks. Uh, anybody, any college player taken in 2020 is, is Rule Five eligible, and high school players taken in 2019. Basically, if you were 19 in 2019 or 2020, then you're eligible. If you were 18, then you're not. Um, but yeah, Dingler, Trey Cruz. Uh, we talked about, you know, Montero, he's going to have to be added, you would think. Um, after that, I don't think anybody – well, I mean, this is another show for another day. There's probably some other guys. Like Lachlan, I think they could add if they wanted to. Magno is probably uh, eligible to add. But, yeah, Madison and Holub, I don't think are. Holt Keith and Malloy, I don't think are. And uh, – 
Yeah. We'll have to do, yeah, we'll definitely do a Rule 5 special at some point. I think Roberto Campos is eligible, but I don't think they have to worry about that now. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and that's where yeah, but like I said, we'll we'll, we'll dive deep into that uh, another day. So coming up, actually, now that I think about it, probably to end the month, we'll be doing a tool series. We were, I just sent it over my list to Chris. We're gonna, I have to refine it a little bit better, but um, expect some video work from that. Expect some uh, a podcast from that. Or Rule Five, who the should aim for. Also, um, I wanted to check in on Carlos Guzman, who got the Cubs picked oh, yeah. up. And uh, he finished a year going at heat. So he pitched actually out of the bullpen and finished the year with uh, 86 innings of work, 93 strikeouts, so a K per nine of 9.7. But it was the walks where he struggled with. He walked uh, 48 in 86 innings of work. Um, yeah. yeah, that's tough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he... After starting off really good in South Bend, he struggled at Double A Tennessee, but then ended up finishing the year. Just pitched an inning in Triple A Iowa. So, Iowa. yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, you know everybody liked him in the system. He was a well liked player, but uh, you know if you could trade a guy like that for Zach McKinstry, who helped. You know, he wasn't the monster he looked like he was in like April and May, but he helped the team this year. So that was a good trade, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, end up working out pretty well for the Tigers. So, um, but nevertheless, it's, uh, I just wanted to mention that real quick before we end the podcast. Cause I was, for whatever reason, I thought about Carlos Guzman. Why I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, he was a guy we talked about a little bit last year. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else we didn't really touch on Lakeland. Lakeland had an awesome second half. I'm sure you got, like, like I said, I'm sure you, you cover all this, but uh, Lakeland, I mean, on the feet, like Andrew Graham won manager of the year and for good reason. I mean, they were yeah. offensively speaking, one of the best teams in the second half of the season. Yeah. And then they, you know, again, with about like a week to play, they sent away some of their biggest offensive players to bring in some of the draft picks and the younger guys. Right. So, so Mike Rothenberg went to the development list and uh, they brought in, Briseño and McGonagall and, and Max Clark and all those guys. And, and you know, just following the stats, mostly McGonagall held his own. Max Clark uh, walked a ton, but didn't really do much damage. Uh, but that's, you know, that's something that's kind of tough to weather when you're heading into the playoffs. But, yeah, Graham just continues to get the job done. And, and I think at this point, I think he just likes being in Lakeland, right? I don't think it's uh, – I think the organization wouldn't mind having him back you know, managing at higher levels, but it's probably helpful to have a guy like that at the lowest level. So, yeah, I did want to get your take, though. I did want to get your uh, thoughts about Jose Baseno, who adjusted pretty well in Lakeland after he got called from the complex league. And I know that Jeff Pontus has was saying some of the things that Baseball America was saying about him and some of the scouts, but some of this, in terms of stat wise, he, for his age, really stands out. Yeah, he was. Very impressive. You know, numbers were great in the in the complex league, and he came up, kept hitting, and and kept walking. I think, and it was a lot of doubles in Lakeland. But yeah, like the performance is awesome. He's a big, strong kid. You do have to. We have to factor in what Jeff said, though. Is that it looked like it was it was strength over bat speed. It looked like it was a funky setup. It, it's not. Scouts take this into account because there are things that matter at higher levels, where like maybe 
he's just beating up on, on less advanced pitching right now. But all you can do is ask for guys to perform at this point. You know, he's, he's, physical tools are going to be the physical tools. He's not going to turn into like a speed demon or something like that. And, and it sounds like he's probably not a catcher. But the organization could use hitters at every position, right? And if he's first baseman and he hits, that's awesome. So uh, he's another guy that, that kind of – I mean, we paid a little bit of attention to him last year because he was one of their higher dollar signings in the international market, and he performed well in the Dominican Summer League. But uh, he kept that going this year, and that's a, that's a good sign because that uh, doesn't always work out, right? The, the numbers from the Dominican don't always translate to stateside. Yeah, and that's where I and that's I think here's where I have a the situation came back to haunt Lakeland. They didn't have enough pitching. I mean, Jaden Ham, who was just drafted, looked. Jaden Ham looked really good. I mean, it was yeah. it was impressive. And I, I, I hate to say this, but outside of Melton, starter wise, he was probably one of the better starters. And we didn't really see much of him post draft. Yeah. So you kind of have to wonder where he'll start the season next year. I mean, if he starts in Lakeland, the Flying Tigers rotation should be pretty. Pretty good, and also there's some guys who put up some decent DSL numbers. But again, how's that going to translate to the Florida State League? We don't know. But I, I think that one thing that does concern me outside of Double A, or even I mean, I think the Tigers can go as deep as Carlos Pena. You could talk about Luke Hernandez finished a decent year, but when it gets to low A, that's where the pitching is kind of right now. I think a question mark heading into 2024. Yeah, you know, it seemed like for much of this year, it was um, kind of late round draft picks from last year or on sign or un- undrafted free agents, your, your Garrett Apker types, right? Um, they did sprinkle in some, you know, Carlos Marcano had a, had a, a, you know, solid year. And they were using guys like Marco Jimenez and Ulysses Campos, who, who are relievers, but they were, uh, I mean, they're future relievers but they were using them as starters. There are, uh, you know, some interesting names to consider next year. The one guy might, you know, might break out pick this year, who did not break out because he was hurt until the middle of the year, was Joe Adamitz, uh, who's got a really interesting, you know, he's a lefty with a really interesting change-up combination. I think he, he might start the year down there. And then you've got draft picks, right? You might get Wilson starting in Lakeland next year. You might get Andrew Dunford. I don't know if they're going to have Jack Diaz as a starter. Um, and then there was the other, you know, the couple of the pitchers they took. I'm forgetting their names, but like the ninth round pick out of Missouri State and the kid from UConn. Um, so they added a few arms this year that I think we'll probably see in Lakeland at the beginning of the year next year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a guessing game right now. Who's who's going to step up and who's going to pitch well for them? I think, you, like you said, I think they, it wouldn't shock me if they keep start Ham there. But based on the way he pitched, he seems probably ready for high A to be in next year. Yeah, and then you have a guy like, you know, it's been interesting too. The Tigers turned uh, Moises Valerio into a pitcher. Oh, the catcher? So, yeah, he ended, up, he ended up pitching towards huh. the last part of the season. Yeah, it was something that I caught my eye towards the end of the season because he's been, I mean, up to this point, he was, or maybe no, never mind. Maybe he just appeared in relief. I don't know. It was just weird to see him there. Forget, forget. I said that also that that part of. Um, um, maybe he just did like a bullpen, th- or you know. Um, yeah, it could have just been a blowout. Um, yeah, a blowout thing. Um, a guy, or here's okay. Here's what I was looking at. A guy, another guy that's in complex league slash lake. I mean, as far as where they're gonna get 
some help from from the, even the Dominican League. There's a series of pitchers that finished strong, and the, the ones I was referring to was guys like uh, I'm trying to think of the names here. Oh, uh, like uh, they have a uh, Victor Victor Pena. Oh, again, until they see him stateside, there's no real idea. Uh, Franklin Paulino. Uh, there's you know what do they have with guys like that, and even like um. Trying to think of uh, Henry uh, Montanella, Edward Moreno, a lot of the guys. They there's just these guys where we have no earthly idea what they're going to get. Yeah, and and you know we were able to get eyes on some of the guys in the the complex league. This you know it, it's it's tough to say, but a lot of them you know, they're mostly guys from the Dominican and Venezuela. The Latin kids we don't know anything about. And so until you see him pitch, you, you really have no idea if they've got good stuff. But there was one guy, not a starter. I think it's Yosper Sanchez. Is that right? That Sanchez, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw, like, he popped up in, in one of the Complex League games, and he was, I want to say he came up from the Dominican this year. Like, he was in the Dominican, and they sent him the Complex, and then they're like, oh, man. Because he was sitting, like, 96, 98 with a pretty interesting slider. Like wow, uh, so so that's a guy that, again, not a starter, but a, a guy who might kind of come seemingly come from out of nowhere next year. It wouldn't shock me if he's like closing games in West Michigan and Erie by the end of the year, right? It's, all right, I'm looking right now, but yeah, yeah, who's the guy who uh, he was with the Rangers originally too, right? Uh, oh yeah, I didn't even realize that. So yeah, 2019, 2021, the Rangers this year. So he's yeah, he's 22 in the Dominican League, too, too good for that, but. 15.7 strikeouts per nine in 22 innings. They sent him and he made it up to the Lakeland where, you know, in five innings, let's see what he did with five innings, five innings, four hits, one run, six strikeouts. Um, but the stuff is, is interesting. So it's, you know, it's kind of like that who comes from out of nowhere and suddenly is, is closing games. You're like, who, who is this guy? Um, but beyond him, like, there wasn't anybody from, from watching some of that complex league action who was. Raw stuff just jumped off the page. Other than Tank Diaz did, but we do that, right? Like, it's like okay, kids throwing like ninety six, ninety seven, eighty five, two regular pitches. I hope they start him. I really hope because he's got three pitches and he's got the frame to start, and it would just be really fun and awesome scouting story. Uh, but we'll see. So there is one guy I did want to. One guy that was a was picked last year in the eighteenth round. Chris Williams Jr., who's who is a lefty, and I'm always intrigued by lefties, as you know, and we've talked about this numerous times. So he originally was, I believe he was starting. And then over the last, I want to say the last month or so, pitched exclusively out of the bullpen. The walks, I mean, yeah, of course, that's that's bad, but there's something to be said that I think there still needs a little bit of refinement. But it he went from allowing, I mean, Less of him worked in this case, uh, where he was facing less batters, and he ended up striking out 15, only about one home run, comparatively speaking. I mean, it's it's hard to give up home runs in the Florida State League, the complex league, and he was or er, he was doing that on a regular <laughs> basis. But I know that's another intriguing arm. I'm looking forward to seeing next year, hopefully, some more of and see what they have with him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, there's there's a Baseline of ability you need to have to be a pitcher in pro baseball for the most part. Uh, you see some guys, 
in the low levels who, who don't, you know, don't top like 92 with their fastballs. But if you, you can pass that threshold to, to be a professional pitcher, then generally speaking, there's stuff that the organization can do to optimize you. Um, we talked about it. You mentioned Blake Holub. Blake Holub was a two-way player in college. He looked like an outfielder pitching last year. Uh, couldn't throw strikes. And this year, threw a ton of strikes and made his way up to double A. So it's, it's, you know, you never know what kind of leaps guys will take. And Williams, Williams has a really interesting story, too, because he was a guy, seemed like he was trying to hit for like six years. He went to like four different colleges trying to hit. And he just kind of accepted his fate as a pitcher. Um, so there might be more, you know, on the tread there, if you will. Like there might be more to, to develop there than, than you might think. So, yeah, he's a fun name that you mentioned. There was, there were a couple of pitchers they took in 2022. I mentioned Adam Etz. There was a kid from Kentucky. I don't know if it was Cole Stepp or the other Cole. There was another Cole. Some guys who didn't pitch a ton this year that, that might pop up next year. We'll see. And and then, you know, you never know with, with some of the other draft picks from 2021. Like, it's, does Garrett Burhan have uh, another level that he can reach? Uh, what about is it Jordan Marks? Like, can those guys continue to, to improve and get better? It's, uh, you know, the odds are that somebody is going to come from nowhere next year and, and be a really interesting prospect because we've seen it the last couple of years. So it, it's kind of fun to try to pick out who it might be. Especially a guy like Joe, Joe Miller, who was, I mean, he struggled, but in the last half of the season, I mean, as far as starters go, last 35 innings of work, two home runs, ERA of 2.80, batting opponents only batted 259 against them. Yeah. Um, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, he's a guy who was just throwing nothing but strikes, 64% strikes. So that's another guy too, to, you know, look out for as far as perhaps maybe just what he's going to do. And, and hopefully, I mean, again, after August, September, he got better. And so this is where these are like, these are kind of like the, let's say gems, but rocks, they come gems. I mean, I'm using a crappy analogy, but uh, yeah, those that's where I, again, that, getting back to really wrapping up about Lakeland and the uh, complex league. These are, this is, what I wish where we had like next year, Lakeland's going to have cameras the entire time. So we'll get that and that's going to be great. But yeah, there's the uncertainty of about the, our top 30 list or even some of the reports that are, I wish we had more data on this stuff. I mean, we have, Jerry, Jerry, again, Jerry, uh, did a really good job of capturing all the data for Lakeland and some of the advanced numbers there. So that does serve as well as a guide for what could potentially happen in 2024. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting a little bit of data in, in the Arizona Fall League. So we, we can get data on Dylan Smith now, and, um, Pettit. So that's, that's fun. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's kind of, it's tough to imagine a better minor league season next year be, just because, you know, given the, the, the breakouts, the, the, the higher draft picks working out. But who knows? Maybe Max Clark goes absolutely bonkers next year and, and like, you know, hits his way to AAA or something crazy, right? Maybe Erie wins again and Toledo wins the title. And it's, it's just uh, – there's, there's a lot of possibilities. Um, I don't think we're going to get another – Justice Big B level out of nowhere breakout, but you never know. 
So we didn't think we'd get one after Kerry Carpenter and, and Bigby uh, had a pretty awesome breakout of his own. So yeah, it's exciting. Um, it'll be fun following what's going on in the off season. You know, sometimes people sneak into Instagram and find these players working out at, you know, certain places that throw 105 miles an hour or something silly like that. But uh, yeah, I'm eager, I'm eager to, uh, you know, just e- eager to uh, see what happens next year with a lot of these interesting players. Yeah. And, and the end of the podcast, there's one thing that was, it was so a lot of times when I post what the Tigers are doing this year in terms of batting average power, all that. And they saw the names from the past. It was always like this sarcastic, Oh, well, these guys never end up in major leagues. Let me just preference this and we'll go. And then if you want to add something to this, please do so. The past, those names that were mentioned on there, if you look at it very closely, it was one out of entire players, see a players in a year. You're talking about Steve Moya among a lot of players in the system that stood out. But if you looked closely enough, the numbers indicated uh, not a major league player. If you look at the strikeouts, you look at if you look at the things that really matter, because everybody gets caught up. Oh, he hit twenty eight or whatever it was. But if you look at the numbers and you looked at if you saw him every day, this is why it's important to look at things beyond the box score. I cannot emphasize that enough. All these like you know somebody's like oh Don Kelly batted you know three thirty. And I mean, what, what's your point? Like it's, the, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like the goal is to get guys to the big leagues. Uh, and and you know, we we talked at the start of the show talking about how how Tigers are, are continuing to develop players in the big leagues. The the whole thing is to draft, develop, get guys to the big leagues, and see what you have. See if they can contribute. And we're seeing more guys like that in the system every year. The Tigers are getting more guys like we. Talk about Big B a ton. No matter what you say about Big B, he's going to reach the big leagues now. He's done enough in the minors to, to get himself a chance at the big leagues, uh, which is really – that's awesome, right? Like, it doesn't mean that he's going to be anything. He's not going to be an all-star or whatever. Like, you don't know until they get up there and continue to prove it. But in the past, it was it was guys – you know, like, I don't want to be mean, but just to mention some of the guys who used to perform in the Tiger system who, who weren't even big leaguers. Like Will Maddox and Alden Carruthers, and uh, <laughs> you know, like Mike Gerber. Mike Gerber made the big leagues, but was it was pretty apparent very quickly that he was overmatched. Um, and there's just there's just a lot of guys in the system who are going to make the big leagues now. Like, it, and that's all you can ask for out of the minor leagues. Uh, obviously, you want to develop as many stars as possible, but that that just kind of takes everything working out. Right. And, and players having the physical ability and then being able to maximize it. Like, you, you know, even the Dodgers and, and the Braves, they don't produce an Acuna every year. Right. They, they get guys who can come up and contribute. Some of them pop, some of them don't. And, and that's Tigers aren't quite there yet, but they're getting to that level where they're going to have these waves of guys who are big leaguers. And I think that's positive development. And, and I don't care that somebody thinks, well, you know, Juan Encarnacion wasn't a great player. Well, you know what? He was in the big leagues for a long time and did a lot of good stuff, so that's fine. Uh, Any big leaguers (laughs) is a good thing. I think I I really think that some of the older Tiger fans are expecting what happened in 1984, where they had this core of players from realistically two or three draft classes tops 
that were a core of a team, but that's not the way things, I mean, look, granted the Tigers, there was one thing about the comp press conference. They're going to continue to spend development on things that other teams have been doing for ages. Like you you talked yep. about this and I didn't, it didn't occur to me until you were talking about how Lakeland needed another comp, another building really bad. Mm. And they're going to build them. They're building their build. They're breaking ground on Dominican Academy to continue to, refine it because tigers internationally speaking are not that good like in terms of international scouting they still have ways to go they have been able to they were the, the nutrition like how excited that isaac pacheco and jace young got in the beginning of the season i wish i was exaggerating that chris but you were there they were they were stoked that was the, the we asked them i don't know if it was asked somebody asked them and it was the very first thing out of their mouth was how excited they were about like being able to get good food and drink muscle milk or whatever, like, um, yeah, there was the Tigers had a lot of ground to make up. We've seen them make up a, a, a lot of ground. I think you know we're not embedded in every uh, minor league system. There might be, who knows, the Dodgers might be on the next level thing with like personalized hyperbaric oxygen chambers and, and uh, you know brain implants. I don't know, but the results are have been there on the field the last couple of years. And I think that's all you can really judge it on is just they're doing a better job of producing talent that might help them at the big league level. And, you know, we, we talk about like, you know, fans expecting a rebuild of the 84 Tigers, but you can, you know, you look at the drafts from 18, 21, 22, you start to see, you know, 18 has what Mize, Meadows, Scooble, that could be a pretty, significant jump. 19, you got Green and Carpenter, and you know, Lipsius came up. I don't know if he's going to be a huge part of this score going forward, but he's up. Pryler came up from that draft. I'm trying to think who else was 19. Was that Brisky? Brisky, yeah, Brisky. I think Brisky. I think Garrett Hill was an 18. Yeah. Um, so the, it, and then 20, you got Torque, you got Cole Keith coming up, maybe Dingler, and uh, 21. You're, uh, you're looking at who are we looking at 21? I've forgotten. But it doesn't matter. Uh, there's 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 a core that's being that's coming from these last four or five drafts uh, that that you can see, and it's it's now it's about supplementing that with with more talent and getting some some key free agents to fill in the gaps where you know maybe you don't have a third baseman you can trust, right? So I don't know. I I, I would be optimistic if I'm a Tigers fan. I, I say that based on what we've seen at the big league level and what progress has been made in the minors the last few years i think it's, it's good better things are coming uh how good they get i don't know but i think it's gonna be better than what it's been because it would be hard not to be yeah and you should again this is a, we we're hoping that this year or in 2024 the tigers can do something they haven't done in a while which is a positional player uh, from a standpoint of an infielder now if the tigers can get cold keep it's like a base and he hits well, then that's another level or another achievement. As basic as it sounds. Yeah, you know, we're not going to end this on a negative note, but it, it does make me wonder if they're trying. Jason Jace Young is, is a is a very good second baseman. We've said it a bunch. Like he's not, he doesn't have like Trey Turner range or whatever, right? Like he's not going to be going from from sideline to sideline, from bag to bag. <laughs> but he makes he's really sure-handed, makes all the throws. That they're trying him at third base 
makes me concerned about Colt Keith's arm, right? Um, it, because we saw, you know, he, he, he sat out for a time this year with shoulder. He had shoulder surgery. The arm just didn't look as strong as it was before this year. Um, it almost feels like they like they're they're just kind of forcing it because they have to because he, he can't play third base anymore. But we'll see. I don't know. I I, I figured that they would prime in the outfield too, but that didn't never happen this year. So if Young I, works out at third, Young works out at third. I'm sorry that, that that's uh, that'll be great. I I still think he's you know better off at second, but we'll see. Yeah, keep you were you were one of the first people to mention that too. How his throw. Seems like it's almost like he's skipping a stone versus it was before. Exactly, yeah. yeah, it's and he's still got stability over there. It's it's uh, he would never be uh, I think uh, an above average, maybe tops out as like a fringe average hit the third baseman. But yeah, it it almost like reminded me of how my my dad had to get hip surgery like twenty years ago, and he loved to run and he couldn't run anymore, but he would still go out for walks, and and he had to to he had to like swing his leg out. Like he was an ice skater or something. Like he was trying to do some sort of, uh, you know, top spin just to walk because that was the way it wouldn't hurt. And, and so it, it reminded me of that. Like this Polky's throwing motion, it almost felt like he had dropped down on purpose and throwing like that because otherwise it would hurt. Again, this this is tons of speculation, but it seems like, you know, you put the context clues together, you see how it's looking out there, you see him not playing third base much, you see them moving young to third. Having Malloy back at third, it makes me think that yeah, I think Cole Keith is probably a second baseman um, going forward, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, just don't call him an outfielder. That's all we know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> all right, so go to TigersMLReport.com to check out all our great content. So tomorrow, or Thursday rather, we'll have the starting pitchers, and then from there, relievers, and then the breakout player of the year. So stay tuned for that. Um, the breakout players should be no surprise to anybody. Although we did get some votes. It was interesting enough. Um, we got some votes for that was an interesting vote too, as well. There. Yeah. I mean, again, there, there are a handful of players you can, you could argue that really go out. Uh, we've talked about them all today. So we don't have to do that. Yeah. That, that's going to be a fun one to put together. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're watching us on YouTube. And uh, like I said, we'll be periodically doing shows here and there as we're going to be doing a tool series. Finally, once and for all, I'm glad that we're going to be doing that. Uh, we're also going to be, there's going to be a Rule 5 show. So uh, if, if Chris right now is going to go clean off his feet because he was in the Nepal and just, just you know, walked a, like a proclaimer song. And uh, if you're hearing the music, that's, that's the therapeutic music he's been listening to. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a good night, everybody.